Welcome to the Devoted City Church podcast. Our mission is to help people find, trust, and follow Jesus. To learn more about our church, visit devotedcity.com. In today's episode, you'll hear a message from our lead pastor, Donnie Williams, or a member of our teaching team. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for being here at LifePoint today. I think it was uh, 2006, 2008 when I finally uh, said, okay, this social media thing, this thing called Facebook, I'll do it. I don't know what it's good for. Uh, I'm not really sure if I'll use it, but I got an account and I started taking pictures and thought, well, I'll post my first picture. And I did. It was of my wife and I and people started liking it. And I was like, well, that felt good. I like that. And so then I would, uh, you know, here I am all these years later, posting pictures of food and trips and quotes and uh, hikes and jokes and all the stuff about our church and my life and my family. But you know, it's not uncommon to see more than you wanna see uh, when you're having a look at social media. Here's what I found out when doing a little research. Research shows that higher amounts of social media use predict higher levels of grandiose narcissism. This includes time spent on social media, frequency of posts, numbers, friends, and followers, and how often participants post pictures, check for likes, and shares on social media. So there's no doubt social media has shaped our world. Because the only reason to have a social media page is to talk about you. Like, you probably don't have a social media page where you never talk about you. It's, it's because hey, I want you to know about me. And then here's what else we've perfected, the selfie. The selfie has been perfected. I mean, if you're, if you're like under 40, uh, you take selfies like this when you're taking a picture of somebody, you know, or they're looking down, they're taking a picture. If you're over 40, you take it like that, right? I caught you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Makes you look a little thinner, get the lights just right, and it's perfect. You know, since it's a recent phenomenon, I've wondered, uh, I was thinking, just imagine if we would have had selfies all along, if it would have been possible. We don't have to wonder about that because AI has done it for us. Just imagine if Daniel had a phone in the lion's den. It might look like that, right? (laughs) Or what if, what if, after Moses leads the Israelites across the Red Sea and they got to take a picture of it? Or what did Noah do on that boat for over a month? Well, that's what it might have looked like. That's funny, but here's the reality. We're a culture that is addicted to self-promotion. Some of you watching online now, you've got two windows open. You're watching me and you're watching whatever else is going on on social media. Here's what self-promotion does. Here's what social media does. It, it lowers our contentment and happiness. It destroys friendships, causes bad attitudes, causes us to feel inadequate or prideful. And yet we do it over and over and over. Here's what, and it's not all bad. It's not all evil, but here's what social media tends to do. It plays into that sinful part of us that believes the world is all about us. It plays into that sinful part of you that says, hey, the world, it's all about me. While selfies and social media might be new and recent, 
that's not. People have always moved towards self-promotion and making themselves noticed and look better and maybe present something they aren't. That's what Jesus is addressing today in this series, what Jesus taught. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthews 5, 6, and 7. Uh, we just finished uh, chapter 5, and we're just starting chapter 6 today. And Jesus is going to talk to us about something that we all need to learn and internalize, and it's this. The most effective spiritual disciplines are practiced in secret. And we're gonna learn what Jesus believes today about uh, giving, about praying, and about fasting. And Jesus starts this section out. He's speaking to probably thousands of people. He's helping them move from uh, following from their head to their heart. He's trying to help them understand what it's like to live in the kingdom of God with Jesus as your Lord and savior of your life. What does it look like to live like that? They had not been living like that. Religion to them had become this very sterile, outward appearance focused religion. And Jesus comes along and says, let me show you what it's like to live under my Lordship. And he tells us in Matthews five, six, and seven, and he starts out chapter six with two words that we should all listen to. Depending on your translation, it may say two, two other words, but if you're using an NIV like I'm using, it says, be careful. It might say, watch out. Now, if Jesus says, be careful, we need to be careful. How many of your mothers, no matter how old you are, they still tell you, mine still says it, be careful. Anybody else's mom still say that to you? Moms, dads, you say that to your kids, be careful because you don't want them to get hurt. I just talked to a friend of mine last week who is a pastor uh, learning to fly and he said, oh, I gotta go, I'm at the airport. And I was like, well, be careful and don't die. <laughs> so Jesus starts this section saying, be careful. And in chapter six, verse one, here's what he tells us to be careful of. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. That tells me a couple of things. One, God wants to reward us. And there's a way we can live that prevents God from rewarding us. And Jesus is going to talk to us about what that is. So even 2000 years ago, Jesus is saying, be careful not to do your good deeds in front of people because you will lose a reward that you could get from God for that. Today, it would probably be better said, don't take selfies of everything that you do. See, now wait a minute, wait. Jesus just said a few verses ago, uh, do, make, make sure you let your light shine before people. Well, what's the difference? It's motivation is the difference. One is letting your light shine before people is people noticing the good things that you're doing. What Jesus is talking about is not that, he's talking about doing things so people will notice. And there's a big difference. Probably the best way to, to explain the difference is if you're, guys, you married guys, your wives are gonna understand this even if you don't. Uh, you brag when you do the least little thing around the house, right? 
honey, I just loaded the dishwasher. And if you make the bed and get to the end of the day and she didn't notice, doesn't it hurt a little? Come on, guys. Come on. Doesn't it hurt just a little? She could like be on a scaffolding painting the house. And you're like, hey, I cleaned that dish that I dirtied. That's what Jesus is talking about is people that are doing good things and they want attention to be brought to themselves. So he says, here's how you give. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, in the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, you've rece they've received their reward in full. Now, Jesus moves from these acts of righteousness, good deeds, and now he's gonna talk about the good deeds that he wants them to pay attention to. First one is, when you give to those in need, don't announce it with trumpets. What he was speaking to was the actual way they would give in the synagogue. When it came time to give, they wanted everybody to know. And so, here, Jamie, come and help us uh, see, this is what would happen when it was time to give. So, so they would say in the synagogue, come on over here. Don't want anybody at home to miss you. In the synagogue, they would say, it is now time to give. Well, not just like that. Not just like that. He, he's a great guitar player and singer. Uh, Got to work on that trumpet a little bit. But that's what they would do. They would have trumpets and they would say, it's time to give. And they would all walk down front. And if it was, you know, if they had dollar bills like we do, they would just be, you know, rolling it around, flapping it in the air and then giving it. So everybody could see what they were doing. And Jesus said, you're a hypocrite. It would be like us if we passed an offering basket here, which we don't, but if we did, and as it went by, you went, and then you posted, gave it church today, hashtag generosity. And so Jesus says, these people are hypocrites. Don't do that. Hypocrite simply meant this, an actor. Someone who was not who they appeared to be. They wanted to be honored by people. And Jesus said, you will be. If you give like that, people will honor you. See, the world will honor people if that's what they seek. And we can never let, as followers of Christ or generous people, the world's honor overtake what God has asked us to do. Really what Jesus is saying is uh, they've received their reward Another way to translate that phrase is, that's all they'll receive. They'll receive, if you wanna give in a way, he's saying to them, if you all wanna give in a way that brings attention to you, that causes people to pat you on the back and see you as a generous person, oh, you're doing such a great job, you're such a godly generous person, that's wonderful. Jesus said, they will receive their reward. The phrase he used really means paid in full. Another way to translate it, it's, they were, you're paid in full. You're getting exactly what you're going for, if that's how you wanna give. Then Jesus said, let me tell you how to give. Beginning in verse three. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, 
so that your father, so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Both motivations for giving lead to a reward. One reward comes from the world. The other reward comes from our Father in heaven. And Jesus is saying, that's the one you want. So Jesus is saying with this spiritual discipline of generosity, of giving, he doesn't say, if you have some extra and you happen to be giving, he says, when you give to help the poor. So he assumed his followers in his kingdom would do that. So you wanna get the full blessing of being generous. Good, let God be the audience. Let him be who knows, give it and forget it. Years ago when our church was portable, we were meeting in a couple little movie theaters, maybe like this many people total. There was a guy who started coming to our church and he wanted to take me out to coffee and we went out and we were sitting there and he said, you need a building. And I was like, yes, we do, but we don't have any money. That's the problem. And he said, I would like to start a, a building fund for your church. Slid a check across the table, $60,000. That's a big check for anybody. That's a big check. And he said, I wanna make sure that your church has a building because I think God's gonna do big things with it. Several years later, he had moved on to another town. The opportunity to have this building comes up to us. We're a way smaller church than what sits in this room. But we got in this building. And the day we got in this building, I remembered him. So that afternoon I called him. It's like, hey, I just wanted you to know we just moved in a building. Our church doubled overnight when we went from portable uh, to permanent. And I just wanted to say thank you for getting that started for us. And he was like, oh yeah, I totally forgot about that. So he had given the way Jesus said to give. He gave, he forgot about it. Totally forgot about it. And that's what Jesus means when he says give in secret. Don't your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, give in such a way that it's just between you and God and you might even forget it. He's trying to make sure we don't think too much of ourselves because it would have been very easy for him to say, yeah, I helped this church get in the building. I gave him the first $60,000 of the millions that they needed and, and I got that started. There are many other came after him that did the same thing. But he didn't, he just kept it between him and God and that's the kind of giving that Jesus is talking about. Even when, when Jesus talks about this kind of giving and then I used to do, we've done many series on generosity. It's a great topic for us to learn about and we need to be challenged to be generous people. And usually when we would do this years ago, we would show stories of people who had been generous uh, to inspire other people to be generous. And every time we did that, I just had this little tension inside of me, whether I was sharing my generosity story or somebody else's, this little bit of tension that's like, is this good? Should we do this? Yeah, it's good to want to motivate and we don't say numbers or anything like that. So yes, let's do it. But should we really like put a spotlight and call attention to what somebody's doing between them and God. See, it's a fine line between telling a story for inspiration and just telling a story to highlight somebody. May we always do the former. 
So here's what Jesus is communicating. The generosity that no one ever knows about is the most powerful. I love it that over the last few years, the way we do generosity has totally changed. We used to pass a a basket around and then we weren't allowed to meet for several months and nobody came together. And so 100% of the people that wanted to give had to do it differently than in person. They had to either mail it or go online and do it. And that went from like 20 or 30% that did that to 100% that had to. And then from that, we said, well, let's just put boxes in the back and let people just kind of give in that way that want to give on site in person. And I like that better. It's interesting that the generosity has gone up significantly. And yet we're still not saying, oh, you got to give, you got to give, you got to give. People are just being generous with what God has blessed them with. So the generosity that no one ever knows about is the most powerful. So Jesus told him the right way to give and the wrong way to give. Wrong way, out in public so everybody can see. Right way, just between you and God and he'll reward you for it. Then he moves on to a different topic, a different spiritual discipline that they had been practicing wrong. Verse five says, and when you pray, Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. Again, Jesus Jesus mentions hypocrites. So he's saying there are people who pray just so other people can see. Now, that was common in Jesus's day. And remember, he's trying to challenge their current beliefs and practices and bring a deeper meaning to them. So there was two places they could pray these hypocritical prayers. It was three times a day at 9 a.m., noon, and 3 p.m., people would go to pray. They could either do it on the street corner or they could do it in the synagogue. Both ways they did it so everybody could see. In fact, we know from history that people would actually time their moment so they could be on the street corner and pray this big, loud, deliberate prayer so everybody could see. And Jesus is saying, look, if you're praying for people to notice you and you think you're close to God, well, you've received your reward. But that's the only one you're gonna get. If your motivation is so people in public can see you, he's saying, you'll get it and they'll notice and they'll reward you for it, but God won't. But just like with giving, Jesus also says, now you're not doing it the right way. Let me tell you how to pray the right way. Verses six, seven, and eight, he says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So here's what Jesus believes about prayer. It's something that happens in private that that doesn't always have to happen in public. There's something special about that private prayer between us and God. A consistent prayer life leads to a consistently growing spiritual life. And if you've ever said to yourself, I'm just not growing spiritually. I'm just not growing. I don't feel like I'm growing. I'm not getting what I need. I'm not growing. My hunch would be that your prayer life is suffering at the same time. 
I've never met a person that said, I've got the deepest prayer life I've ever had. I just communicate with God. I really am able uh, to release the anxiety and the hurt and the frustration, whatever's going on in my life, because I communicate with God on a daily basis, moment by moment basis, but I'm not grown spiritually. Never heard anybody say that. See, praying builds a sense of connection with God. It It reduces stress, it can calm fears, and whether you do it out loud, whether you journal your prayers, that's always my go-to is journaling because when you journal, you can look back later and you can praise God for the things that he's done. I don't have a good enough memory to remember, and so if I write it down, then I remember. I remember writing things down when our church needed to feel God moving. Years ago, We started a campus up in the Wakefield Movie Theater, and some of you were probably there. Uh, But we were told you can't, we can't have a church in there because churches never pay us, uh, and uh, we just, we just don't want to give up our space. So sorry, I called the owner myself and I said, "Would you give me thirty minutes? I'd like to come talk to you." What he didn't know is I'd gone up to that theater. I'd literally put my hands on the back and just nobody there. Me, God, I prayed. God, give us this theater to plant a church in. So I drove the six hours to the owner's office, told the staff while I'm gone, I want you to pray. He says, no, Uh, he says, it's really a waste of my time, but he was a really nice man. And so he said, he'd be happy to sit with me uh, for 30 minutes. I go in and he ended up, we ended up talking for a couple of hours. He took me to lunch and I left there with the keys to the movie theater. And I left there with the alarm codes and him having sent the manager an email and said, actually, we are gonna have a church in there. It's called LifePoint Church. The pastor will be by to meet you in the next few days. And that started, yeah. And that started with a no, we're not gonna do that. And that's how our church, I think, one of the big decisions that God moved our church where it is today. So the most powerful prayers are the ones heard only by God. Some of the most powerful prayers you're ever praying, nobody else is ever gonna hear it except for God. And I hesitated to tell this story because my wife doesn't like me to call attention to her, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> she, uh, she had this habit that after the girls would go to school, uh, if they would have noticed, their bed would have been a little bit messed up by the end of the day. Looked like somebody maybe been sitting on it. It was because she would go and lay on their beds and she would spend a lot of time there praying for their futures. She would pray for their future husbands. She would pray for their friendships. She would pray for, uh, before they knew Jesus, that they would get to know Jesus. And she just did that. She didn't announce it. She didn't teach a class on it. She just prayed for our girls consistently day after day. And those are probably some of the most in-depth prayers she's ever prayed. And it's just between her and God. But they were in a culture where uh, when, when Jesus was talking to these people, they would have been familiar with pagan prayers. Pagan prayers are long and loud and repetitive and over and over and over. That's why Jesus said, don't babble like the pagans do. There's a whole story in the Old Testament about Elijah and the prophets of Baal. The false prophets were loud and they, they prayed all day and they were hurting themselves. They tried to get these false gods to listen to them. They were making a bunch of noise. And Jesus said, don't pray like that. And those vain repetitions, he could have just said, blah, blah, blah. And there was a Jewish, a Jewish saying of that day that said, Whoever is long in prayer is heard. And Jesus comes along and says, 
that's wrong. Since God knows what you need, you don't have to pray necessarily have to pray long and loud. That's not what's going to make God hear you. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, King Solomon, this is not on the screen, he says this in verse 2. God is in heaven and you are on earth, therefore let your words be few. So what's the perfect length of prayer? There isn't one. It could be long, it could be written, it could be spoken into the air, it could be short. But here's what the perfect prayer is. It's an in-depth conversation between you and God, however that happens. One commentary I read said this, prayer is not designed to inform God, but to give man a sight of his own misery, to humble his heart, to excite his desire, to inflame his faith, to animate his hope, to raise his soul from earth to heaven, and to put him in mind that there is his father and his inheritance. And then what Jesus does after he says, this is how you're supposed to pray, he even goes a little further and says, hey, actually, let me give you a sample prayer. And that's what we call the Lord's Prayer. And we're gonna spend a whole week, three weeks from today. Next week is Palm Sunday, special day. Uh, the next week is Easter, really special day. Then the following week, we'll come back to this series and I'm gonna go line by line through the Lord's Prayer about what Jesus meant with every one of those things that he said when he said, this is how you need to pray. But then he moves on, but just like with giving and praying, there was another spiritual discipline or spiritual practice that is really uncommon for us today from a spiritual perspective. It may be common from a dietary perspective or a health perspective, but Jesus is talking spiritually in chapter six, verse 16, when he says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, they have received their reward in full. And so what Jesus is talking about is when you fast. He didn't say if you give, if you pray, and if you fast. All three, he said, when you do these things. When you pray, when you give, when you fast. So Jesus believed that if you're gonna be in his kingdom, fasting is involved. And he believed his followers would do that. So what is fasting? Simply put, here's what fasting is. Going without what fills me up physically so God can fill me up spiritually. So what's filling me up emotionally or physically? What's filling me up that's not God? I need to deny myself that so I, God can fill me up spiritually. Now that's different than, uh, some of you may do weight loss or weight management through fasting. That's fine, nothing wrong with that, it can be very helpful. But Jesus is not talking about fasting for physical purposes. He's talking about this, this spiritual fullness that we get or this emotional fullness we get from something that's not him and he's saying fasting is denying yourself that so you can be filled with God. So just like giving and praying, they were doing fasting in front of people so people could see and tell them, oh, what a great person you are. So if they were fasting, they would have walked around going, oh, I'm so hungry, I'm so hungry. And they would have had, there's like, it's been like four days and I'm so weak, I'm so, so weak. I'm so spiritual and I'm so weak. Jesus was addressing, as with these other spiritual disciplines, hypocritical self-interest. 
Theologian Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, ultimately, our only reason for pleasing men around us is that we may be pleased ourselves. And then just like with giving and praying, he gives us the proper way to fast. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father in heaven who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, this section about giving and praying and fasting can be confusing because much of the life in Christ, much of the Christian life is lived out in a communal environment. We're here together. We're in groups together. We pray together. We do Bible studies together. Most is done together. But there's a part of our relationship with God through Christ that is marked by these deep spiritual practices and disciplines in our lives. And what Jesus's hearers had done that day is that they were giving up the benefits of those disciplines in order to be noticed by people. They were taking selfies of everything. They would have been posting everywhere all the good things they were doing. And Jesus comes along and says, you think these things are beneficial the way you're practicing them. And he says, no, here's what's beneficial. Do it in secret and I'll reward you. You'll receive the reward you're meant to receive. So here's what we can learn 2,000 years later about these three spiritual disciplines. And also three questions you can ask yourself. Private giving is powerful giving. Private giving is powerful giving. So how can I give in such a way that demonstrates sacrifice and only God knows about it? Nobody else, only him. Private prayer is deeper prayer. So how can I pray deeper prayers? Uh, maybe journaling is for you. Maybe getting up early, staying up late, going on walks, whatever it is. When we pray privately to God and communicate our hurts, our hangups, our bad habits, our, our sin, the things that we need to be delivered from, and we communicate that to God with God personally, God moves and God acts, and it's a deeper prayer. And then private fasting is fulfilling. Ask yourself this question, what am I filling myself with on a regular basis that I could do without and give that space to God? For some people, it might be food. You may be an emotional eater. You may be someone that you're feeling something emotionally and you tend to, to fill up with food rather than God. There could be some people that do that. And so fasting, if you can do that physically, would be helpful to you. But for most of us, that's probably not the case because when Jesus was talking to them 2,000 years ago, they, didn't, they couldn't run to Chick-fil-A. Well, it's Sunday. They couldn't run to Bojangles. They, they couldn't do that. So they had to really plan out their meals. So if you had to plan out every meal because you didn't know where the next one was gonna be coming from, what would you be thinking about all the time? Food. Because if you didn't get up and kill it, catch it, or you hadn't grown it, you wouldn't eat unless you could find somebody that would sell you some. There were no Harris Teeters. 
It was a different environment. And so what would they have been filled with most of the time? This desire to go, I gotta find some food. I gotta find some food. And that's very easy to transfer. God, we count on you for everything. Day to day, what Jesus had just told them to pray, we count on you for our daily bread. But I'm gonna go take care of this myself because if I don't, maybe I won't get any. What is that today? So what do we fill ourselves with? Because for them, it was, hey, deny yourself that worrisome attitude you have about food that uh, you won't get your next meal if you don't run out and do something and it's always in your mind. What is always in our mind today that tends to guide every moment of our lives? Give you a hand, I've already talked about it. What is that? For many, most, it's what the world thinks about us through this, through social media, because I don't know about you, but I think a lot of people probably get up and go, oh, how many likes? Oh, what's going on? Oh, I gotta see that video. And it's just scroll, 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 scroll. And we already know that social scientists, psychologists are telling us what it does to the young mind to be totally connected and always getting your self-worth through what you see on here. So maybe this is what you need to fast from and not tell anybody about it. Now I see people, I'm um, taking a month off social media, hashtag sacrifice, you know. <laughs> if you're gonna do it, don't tell anybody about it. Cause every time I see that, I, I don't do it, but I, would, I want a private message them and say, you just lost all the benefit cause you're bragging about it. Just disappear. If that's what you're using to fill yourself up, disappear, here's what's gonna happen. Nobody's really gonna notice. Just stop looking, don't log on, and people really won't notice. But then start filling yourself with God and his word rather than this and whatever your motivation is to be addicted to that and watch what God does. Here's what Jesus wants us to know from this section. Practice your faith in such a way that brings attention only to God. So here's your challenge for this week as I wrap up. Practice these disciplines, implement these private spiritual disciplines into your life and don't tell anybody about it. Just do it. Just be generous. Just pray. Just deny yourself something that you know is filling you up rather than God. Whatever it is, whether I mentioned it or not, deny yourself that and tell no one and watch what God does in your life because of it. Let's pray. God, we are convicted to be filled up by you and not the things in this world. And God, as we give secretly, as we pray secretly, as we fast from the things we fill ourselves up with secretly, may you reward us. May every person who does that this week feel, feel the reward that only comes from you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Devoted City Church podcast. If you liked today's episode, rate us and subscribe so others can be encouraged too. We invite you to join us on a weekend at one of our locations or online at devotedcity.com.